0: Since this weekend is the 4th of July, we thought we'd repost one of our favorite episodes all about summertime sides. These side dishes are perfect for a regular dinner or for a cookout or barbecue. You can also get written versions of every recipe featured in this podcast in this week's newsletter, which will be posted on com slash newsletter. Also, Standing Chimney will be open Saturday, July 3rd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Be sure to stop by for fresh baked goods and so many beautiful handcrafted items.
1: Hello and welcome to In the Kitchen with Mary Mac. Today's podcast is all about summertime sides mainly because we've been eating so many summertime sides. So I thought, oh, this is a perfect time to share. The first thing I'm going to start off with is a classic dish that my dad just loved. Uh, This would be more like, for him, a main dish, like the actual meal. Like this would be all that he ate, okay? (laughs) But this is, um, I don't know what to call this. I think I would say it's... uh, bacon and beans. Should we call it bacon and beans? Does that sound or bacon and green beans? I don't know. Anyway, what it is, is bacon and green beans. (laughs) So, um, so what you're going to do, this is for fresh green beans. My dad loved green beans and he always had a lot in the garden and we probably had them every day when they were coming on. So for this dish, uh, what you're going to do is get your green beans, If you go to the, you know, like if you go to the farmer's market or grocery store or whatever and you get the half peck basket and that comes out, it usually works out to about four cups of beans that you get out of that once you clean them and snap them and everything. When you get beans at the farmer's market or grocery store, you want to use them as quick as you can because they, beans for some reason... Green beans and yellow beans go bad really quick. Like, they get ugly marks on them or whatever from the moisture in them. So as soon as you possibly can, if possible that day, get your beans. Don't wash them first. Very important with fresh beans. Do not wash them. Washing is the last thing you do. What you want to do is snap them. So you want to snap the stem end off, and if you want to, the little pointy end off, and then break them into maybe like two-inch long pieces. You can break them longer if you want to, um, whatever, however you want, but usually two-inch long pieces. You can even leave them whole. Some people do that for presentation, and then that's nice. I mean, people do that, you know, for just to make them look a little bit fancier, but you don't have to do that if you don't want to. So you're going to snap your beans when they're all snapped and everything. Then you wash them. Wash them really good. Um, usually if you wash them in a colander, that's the best way to do it. Drain the water off. And then you're going to put your beans in a pot, cover them with water so that they're covered. You know, you want enough water in there to cook them. You don't need to fill up a giant pot, but, you know, put your beans in a pot, cover them with water. Put about a fourth teaspoon to a half teaspoon of salt in them. Bring them to a boil, and you're going to need to boil them, not super hard boil, but a reasonably good rolling boil for about 15 minutes it takes beans a long time to cook so check them to make sure they're done just by stabbing a fork in there and seeing if you can stab a bean then your beans are done now if you want to use them if you want to make them for supper then you're just going to drain them and eat them if you want to cook a bunch of beans what i recommend is if you bring beans home from the market cook them all and put them in your fridge and use them from there you can even actually cook them all to done and freeze them I think this is a better way to freeze beans anyway because if you just blanch green beans, they will continue to ripen. I don't know how they do that, but they will get tough in your freezer. So I always like cook them the whole way and then put them in the refrigerator and I try to use them within maybe two to three days or I put them in the freezer. Okay, so now you got your beans prepped and cooked. And you can do this with either green beans or yellow beans. My dad always did this with green. My dad cooked like four things, okay? This is one of the things that he cooked. So you got your beans. Um, what you want to do is get two to four strips of bacon, nice thick cut bacon, and you're going to fry them in a skillet. You're also going to be cooking the beans in this skillet, so you want, you want to use a large enough skillet to cook the amount of beans you're going to cook. So we're going to say here, for this purpose two to four strips of bacon to about two cups of green beans. If you want to make a larger amount, just increase, you know, bacon and beans, okay? So fry your bacon in the skillet. You don't want to get it super, super crispy, but just until it's, as my sister says, uh, silky, you don't want it to be silky. You want it to be a little bit beyond that stage. What? does silky bacon mean? Silky bacon means that the bacon is soft and slimy-like. Yeah. So not done. Yeah, not done. So you want your bacon to be done but not crispy, okay? You cook your bacon, remove it from the pan, and you should have about one to two tablespoons of bacon grease in the pan. What you're going to do then, take your bacon out, set it on a plate, put your beans into the skillet, and about oh, I don't know, about a fourth cup of chopped onion or one small onion chopped up. Throw that in the skillet. And you're going to saute that until the onions are soft and translucent. That takes about, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. You don't want to do it on real high heat. I did this on, we actually had this as a side dish with our breakfast this morning. And I'm going to say we probably, I probably cooked the beans for about, five to seven minutes before the onions got really nice. And then once the onions were pretty good, I took that bacon and I cut it up into about half inch pieces and I put it into the skillet with the beans and onions. And I continued to cook that for about five more minutes. You want to make sure your beans are nice and hot, your onions are cooked and your bacon is cooked and kind of stir that around. And then when that's done... You can salt it, put a little bit of pepper on it, and voila, you have a delicious side dish for just about anything. So we had it this morning with eggs, but this is a nice dinner side dish, also a nice actual dinner. If you just want to have green beans and bacon for dinner with a good good crusty bread, it'd be delicious. So this is like uh, one of my dad's favorite side dishes, and he just loved this. And he had a friend that did not eat vegetables. This guy... He didn't like any vegetables at all. So, my dad said, I'm going to make you these beans and bacon. You'll love them. You're just going to love this. You won't even know it's beans. They're so good. So, he makes this green beans and bacon, takes it to his friend's house. His friend calls the next day and says, Don't ever, ever bring that to me again. <laughs> even with bacon, he didn't like the beans. So, okay, that's a dandy. Name it whatever you want, make it yours. <laughs> Okay, the next one is sliced vegetable salad. And this is like a nice... This could also... It's another thing that could also be a summer dinner. As in anything, use what vegetables you like. I like to use things that are obviously in season and what you're getting out of your garden or at the farmer's market or whatever. But use what you like. If you don't like something, don't use it, okay? Uh, and there's so many vegetables to choose from anymore. my goodness you can you can put in whatever you want. But what um, this is the what I made and what I usually make. If you have a like a nine by thirteen rectangular container, glass container or whatever that has a lid, that's what I like to do this in. And I use three to four cucumbers, one purple onion or a good sweet onion. You don't want it to be like a strong one. You want it to be a nice sweet onion. Three or four big tomatoes, and two or three bell peppers. And you can use whatever kind of peppers fryers work nice for this, because they're they're like longer and a little bit more slender. Um, but three or four bell peppers, even colored ones, work. So what you want to do, you're going to layer these in your rectangular container. So first, Clean everything and prepare it. Get your cucumbers peeled and your onions ready to go and wash everything. Get your bell peppers prepped and the stem removed and the seeds cleaned out. Okay, so now you're ready to cut your vegetables. So get your cutting board. And what you're going to do is slice your, slice all of your cucumbers. You're going to make it about a fourth inch thick slice. Slice all of your cucumbers into the rectangular container until the whole bottom is coated with them. Then you're going to slice your onion into very thin as thin as you can get them probably like a sixteenth of an inch but as thin as you can get them slices and put those all over on top of your cucumbers next you're going to do your peppers and you're going to try like i used a big one of my um big vegetable knives and on the cutting board and i was able to cut my peppers in about like a fourth to an eighth inch slice but you're going to cut sideways on the pepper so you get a big round circle of pepper And then you're going to spread all those rings out on top of the onions. And then your tomatoes. Take the core out of your tomato, cut them in half, and cut very, very slim wedges of your tomatoes and put those all over the top. Next, you're going to pour uh, red wine vinaigrette, which I'm going to give you the recipe for, or your favorite dressing over the top. You can use anything. You can use an Italian dressing on this. We really like... Uh, It's a sweet Vidalia onion dressing from Ken's dressing that's a light dressing. It's really, really flavorful. That's good on this too. And you just pour your dressing over the top and probably about about a cup of dressing or so, three-fourths to a cup of dressing. Pour that over the top and then put the lid on it and let that sit in your refrigerator for a couple of hours or overnight to blend the flavors and then serve it. Uh, Put a little bit of salt and pepper on the top on the tomatoes and serve it. It's really, really good. So here's the recipe for the red wine vinaigrette. You need a fourth cup of red wine vinegar, a half a cup of good quality olive oil, a teaspoon of kosher or sea salt, a half teaspoon of pepper, either regular black pepper or ground pepper, one teaspoon of basil, two cloves of garlic, finely minced, one teaspoon of sugar, and you put those ingredients into a pint jar with a good lid. Not like I did into a pint jar that didn't have a good lid. Put them in there and shake them up real good. And when you shake them up, you'll notice after you shake them up a couple times, they don't separate. So you want to shake them up really, really good. Make sure it's well blended. Once it's well blended, pour that over all your vegetables. And like I said, put the lid on it and put it in the refrigerator for an hour or two or overnight. And it is a delicious, flavorful, simple salad. And it's just all vegetables. And of course, like I said, you can add whatever else you want to it. If you want to add different vegetables, different kinds of peppers, hot peppers, whatever. But it's just a real simple way to make a salad and it's really good. It's also really easy for people that don't like certain elements to pick out what they don't like. So there's your sliced vegetable salad. Okay, next, fruit salad. We've been eating a lot of fruit. A lot of things are in season right now. Blueberries, peaches, cherries, watermelon, even early apples are in season. So my rule of thumb with fruit salad is only put in what you like, okay? If you don't like, like a lot of people like to use honeydew and cantaloupe, and I really don't because they overpower the fruit salad, and I also don't like them, so (laughs) I don't use them. So when I make a fruit salad... Um, Number one, I try to use what is seasonal if there's a good variety of fruit. Number two, I like to use what I like. So this is what my fruit salad was yesterday. I got these fantastic blueberries, peaches, cherries, and watermelon from our local orchard, Dawson's Orchard. So I used those items in my fruit salad. What I did, um, you just rinse your blueberries, rinse them and drain them really well, put them in a big bowl, I used a quart of blueberries, fresh blueberries. I used eight free stone peaches, and wash your peaches really good, and then take a knife and cut them right around the seam, which will be parallel to the seed, okay? Cut them around the seam, and then hold them in both hands and twist your hands in opposite directions, and the peach will pop apart. One side will have the stone in it, and the other side won't. After you do that, peel your peach and dice it up. Pop the stone out of the other side. Do the same. So put the peaches in. And I usually do them in about like a one-inch piece. The cherries. Oh, they were a fun time. So we had these dark sweet cherries. And I pitted them to put in the fruit salad. And the way I um, pit a cherry is I squeeze the opposite end of the stem. Squeeze it really hard and the pit will usually pop out. However, what I didn't realize was I was squirting cherry juice across my kitchen. About two hours later, I noticed that there was uh, dark red drops running down the front of a cupboard that's on the opposite side of my (laughs) table. So I'm like, I don't know where else it went. I'm going to have to clean my whole side of my kitchen now. So anyway, I did wash that down, but... I put uh, about two dozen pitted cherries in, which are really good in a fruit salad. And then I took um, the watermelon. Think about melons, watermelons, cantaloupes, and honeydew. You want to wash them really, really well with soap and a scrubby of some sort. Wash the outside of them before you cut them, please. Because, you know, they travel in their own skin, You know, like oranges and apples and things like that. They travel in their own skin. So they're coming out of the field in a trailer or a truck, and then they're being handled and put wherever. And they may have gone through a washer. However, please, you know, sometimes if you're getting things from a grocery store, watermelons ride in an open truck from wherever they came from to your grocery store. So there could be, there's road dirt on them. There could be bird droppings on them. Whatever you think of it, it could be on them. So scrub your melons. Please use soap and a scrubby. Scrub them really good. And that way you know they're clean. So that's what I do. I use my regular old Dawn dish liquid on them and I wash them really good and I get my little scrubby and scrub them and make them nice and clean and I dry them off real good with a towel before I ever cut into them. Okay, now that I've gone over that to death, take your watermelon and cut your watermelon in half, and then take the half and slice it into one-inch thick slices. After you get it sliced like that, go through with a knife and take the pink part out of the rind, and then you're going to cut the pink part up into one-inch cubes and throw that into your salad. And there you are. Only four fruits in it, but that's what was available. Oh, wait a second. I did get the early apples, too. So I put, in addition to the half a watermelon... I also put six early apples in it, and those I just scrub really well and um, core them, but I leave the peel on, and then I chop them up into about half-inch pieces and put them in. So that fruit salad had blueberries, peaches, cherries, watermelon, and early apples, and it was really good. Sometimes people want to put lemon juice on a fruit salad so that their fruit doesn't turn colors. But really, your fruit's just turning colors, and who cares? It's oxidizing. It doesn't mean it's bad or anything. If you put lemon juice on it, it will be bad, because then it tastes, first of all, weird, and secondly, sour. So if you can't stand it and you have to have your fruit looking nice, here's a good trick. Add a can of canned pineapple to your fruit salad. Pineapple juice is a natural Whatever you would call the thing that keeps your fruit from turning colors. What is that word? I don't know what it is. Anyway, if you put pineapples in pineapple juice, get the ones that are just canned in their own juice, not in syrup and the chunks. And um, you can even just drain the juice and use that. But if you use pineapple juice on a fruit salad, it will actually keep your fruit from turning and taste wonderful.
0: Is it the citric acid part of
1: it? Yeah, something like or- that. It's oranges like a...
0: may do the same thing, but they aren't as sharp as pineapples or lemon.
1: Yeah, I've tried it. Orange juice doesn't work quite as well as pineapple does. Pineapple juice really works well as a preservative. That's mm-hmm. the kind of the word I was looking for in my lost mind of lost words. So that works good. But if you don't care, which I don't, just use it as it is. Because maybe your peaches will turn a little bit dark, but who cares? Would you recommend mixing
0: this up the day before or the day of you need it? No,
1: do this day of. You can, however, wash your berries ahead of time. You can pit your cherries ahead of time and even do your watermelon. Have your watermelon all scrubbed up ahead of time. But make the fruit salad the day you're going to use it because it does get it, it. It's okay. I like fruit salad left over the next day, but sometimes things get mushy. So make that the same day. Okay, next, corn. Everyone loves corn on the cob. It's so good. So corn is, of course, a great side dish. So when I... This is more of a tip than a recipe or something. When I do corn, I always cook a full dozen ears of corn. I know we're not going to eat a full dozen ears of corn, but I um, buy a dozen, clean them, put them in a big pot, cover them with water, cold... Bring it to a boil once the water boils. Use your nose to know when the corn is done as soon as you can smell the corn the corn 's done usually it takes about ten minutes of uh, once it comes to a boil. This is what I do though we usually we might eat like one ear each for supper then i 'll take the rest of the corn that we didn 't eat. I will drain the hot water off the pan fill it up with cold water, dump it, fill it up with cold water again, and try to cool the corn off. And then I take a sharp paring knife, and I slice the corn off the cob. Just be very careful. Put the stem side down on your cutting board. Use the pointy side up, and very carefully run your knife down and cut the corn off the cob. And then I measure two cups of corn and put it in freezer bags and put it in the freezer, and all you have to do is press it flat and put it in your freezer in single stacks or double you don't want to pile it up to freeze it because corn takes a long time to freeze this way i get a bit of corn into my freezer easily and it's not a bunch of work at once so if you have corn like during corn season say you have corn even twice or three times a week you can get a lot into your freezer that way so that's just a little tip Kind of a small family tip. If you have a big family, cook two dozen ears of corn and then do that. So that's just a little stock-up trick. And last, we're going to finish with fried squash. Squash is not a vegetable that you have around all summer long. You can kind of lay your plants out if you plant them yourself like every week for a couple weeks to keep it going. But usually you have about a month of squash. And hopefully in that time you can eat enough of it that you're so sick of it that you don't even want it until the next summer. (laughs) So... This recipe is good for yellow squash, crookneck squash, summer squash, zucchini. So what you want to do is you want your squash to be small. Don't go for those big honking ones because that's just too big. So if you can get them smaller, maybe like an inch and a half, two inch diameter, that's when they're the best. Clean them, cut the tips off of each end, and slice them into about a fourth inch thick slice. And then what you're going to do is prepare a beaten egg in one bowl. And flour in another bowl. And have your oil ready in your skillet. If you use about a 9-inch skillet, 10-inch skillet, that's perfect. Put about a half inch of oil into your skillet. Heat it up on medium heat. I don't ever put it on real high because they just burn before they're cooked. You could even go like medium low. So get your oil hot. And I always put a test squash in there. So take one of your squash, dip it in the egg, dip it in the flour... Shake it off and put it in the skillet. And once it starts to bubble around it, then you'll know your oil's ready. So you're going to take your squash. This is a good way to do it. Have a fork for your egg and a fork for your flour. So dip your squash in the egg. Let the egg drip off. Put it in the flour. Flip it over to coat it. Let the flour drip off. And then put it in your oil and fry it. And you'll want to turn it, you know, fairly often until it's nice and golden brown. Then take it out and put it on a plate that's been lined with paper towels and let it drain and put a little bit of salt on it. And while you're cooking them, you can just stand there and eat them, which is one of the best parts about squash. This is a great way to have squash or zucchini. Very delicious. And like I said, you want to make sure you have this so often that you're just sick of it and then you don't want it until the following summer. That's a, that's your summer goal.
0: Now, when you put it on the paper towels to dry, do you recommend not dabbing it dry or
1: dab now, it dry with a paper towel on top. If you, when you take them out of the oil, you want to let the oil drip off. I I actually use um tongs, pick them up with tongs to take them out of the frying pan when they're done and try to shake as much oil off as you can. Then when you put them on a paper towel, there's not that much oil on them. And usually like there's not a if you see a lot of oil and you want to blot them, you can do that, but I usually don't. I usually just like put them on the paper towel and Put salt on them and then eat them while I'm making more. <laughs> so that's my plan. I'm sticking to it. And that is all of the summer sides I have for today. And make sure to check us out online
0: on Facebook and Instagram at Mary Mac Bakehouse, on Twitter at Mobile Mary Mac and Merrimack Podcast, and on our website, merrimackpodcast.com. Thanks a lot for listening if you did. And if you didn't, too bad.